0: Can you hear me now? Yeah, good morning church. Um, Thank the Lord for bringing me here to um, share the word. First time. One, two, oh. So, how's everyone today? Ready for the word? It took me ages to try and figure the word out. Then, um, um past the door asked me if, she, if I could um, share a message, and um, I said sure. But, you know, deep down inside, I was like shaking at home. You know, everyone's staring at me, and I'm gonna, and you know, I'm I'm going to faint, or someone's going to show something at me, but you know, the Lord gives us strength, He makes us strong. Um, say to the person next to you, um, Jesus loves you. And that side and that side, and give them a high five too while you're at it. So, before we start, I always like to start off with a song. Who likes singing praise songs? We're going to sing um A true story. going to put the praise song up. Uh, Chris? This song is an old song. Very, very old. But I love old songs. I got um, more feel, you know. Uh, the other one, Chris. So this song is called um, "Come Along with Me." Just follow, just follow me, and I'll I'll help you out. Come along with me to my father's house. To my father's house. To my Father's house, come along with me, to my Father's house, where there's joy, joy, joy. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the way, to my Father's house, to my Father's you can clap if you want. To my father's house, Jesus is the way. To my father's house, where there's joy, joy, joy. Yeah, made me feel better, but yeah. God, uh, we're gonna pray first. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that your your word will penetrate our hearts, and we can go home and meditate on your word. And we just thank you, Jesus Christ, that you died on the cross for us, and and then we can live and uh, look forward to, for tomorrow. Our Lord, our Savior. Amen. So today we're going to actually um uh, look at a video later on if we have enough time um, so the message today is uh, evangelism uh what is evangelism evangelism means sharing or spreading the gospel Sorry. Have you ever seen these before? I brought it just in case I get a bit blurry. There you go. It appears. Right. Evangelism means uh, sharing or spreading the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing or spreading is um, like, like jumper leads. You know, who knows how to use jump leads car jump leads you know you've got the negative positive and you, you put them together and then they start something happens you know the vibrational a spark there 's a spark in there so that that 's um what evangelism is doing is is connecting God to man and uh without that connection. God can't connect with man, so we have to. The evangelist has to get the uh, positive, you know, because God, God is positive, and and uh, it's the cross too, the red cross. So connected to the positive and connected to the negative, and we're the negative, we're the human, so naturally we're negative. And what happens is sometimes there's no spark, you know. You put the negative to the positive, and there's no start. So you start starting the motor to give it that power, and eventually the battery starts charging, and uh, that's kind of rough, roughly what what evangelism means is is having that connection between God and man. And once we do have that connection with God, we start to see things, we start to come alive, we start to you know see see what um, what is out there what 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 the true meaning of life really is and um, so what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news teaches us that we have been separated from God through our sinful ways Romans. for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel teaches us that there's nothing we can do to satisfy God. The gospel teaches us not that we are good, but we are bad and separated from God. So the gospel also teaches us the bad things about us, that we we have been separated And uh it goes to um, john three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, who can share the gospel? We can the Christians, we can those who have been saved, me, you, us. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, go, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus has commanded us to do this. It's not like um, he said when you feel like it or if you get a bit of time or if you're not watching TV or if you're not going line dancing or anything like that. He's, he's commanding us to go out there and share the gospel. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of this world. Mark sixteen fifteen, and he said unto them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I was stuck with that creature. Creature actually means humans. I actually thought it was creatures, you know, but it's actually humans. Matthew 4.19. And he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I hate fishing. I really do. But I love fishing for men. I love fishing for men. It's something that's my passion. I just love taking my friend over here called Defender, Fender Stratocaster. Me and him, we go out and we go out and sing songs and, you know, we just get some kind of connection like the um, positive, something happening, you know. And, um, yeah, I love it. But I don't like fishing. How many fishermen's in here? One. Okay. Good. Uh, when Jesus said it is finished, now when Jesus said it is finished, to me, yeah, not only did he die for our sins, but he also done his part in the kingdom. He's done his part, we've got to do our part. He's done 50%, we need to do the other 50%, and that is evangelism. Go out there and who can we do it? You know, Who can we speak to about the gospel? Our neighbours? Our friends? Our workmates? Anyone? Now we need to do our part and that is to share the gospel. We are his feet and mouth. We are God's feet and mouth. There is no way that the message can get out there unless me and you go out there and share the gospel. That's part of the deal. That's that's our duty. Our duty is to go out there and share the gospel. Amen? Do I get an amen in the house? Okay. okay. Wow. We are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ. As through God did beseech you, by you we pray you, in Christ's stead. Be ye recycled to God. We are the light. We are the only light that we can share the gospel. Let your light shine. We need to let our light shine. Have you heard of that song, This Little Light of Mine? That's what that means. We need to let our light shine. Amen. Can we say amen a bit louder? Have a bit of Amen. Come on. Amen. You know, we should be happy. We're we're getting ready. We're getting we're getting ourselves motivated to go evangelizing, eh? This is the only way we can get motivated. So where can we share the gospel? So we've already said it, we're going to the gym, we go path. Anyone here goes line dancing? Got any line dancers in the house? No, no. Look, there you go. It's fun. You know, it's, it's exercise. You know, you're doing things with your legs. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and good, courageous. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, with with whosoever thou goest. Joshua nine. Four words stand out here. Commandment, be strong and courage. God is with us wherever we go. Be strong and bold, have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will, he will never fail you or forsake you. 2 Timothy 4 2. Preach the word, be instant in season. Out of season, reprove, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen. That was in um second Timothy four two. Jesus preaching in the city. Luke eight one. And it came to pass afterwards that Jesus went throughout every city and village preaching and suing and glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him the disciples followed him wherever he may go jesus had to walk long distance from village to village either he used a donkey or there's no scooters or anything in them days no cars so it's quite a fair walk so you know that's how motivated we need to be you know Walking, uh, walking distance. But scooters are great now today. they have invented scooters. You can scooter in, all over the city now. So, you know, there's no excuse. You can just jump on your scooter, grab your guitar, grab your amp, go over the bridge, into the city, through South Bank. You know, the, the, there is no excuses. You know, I, I actually tried it myself. I actually put my guitar, my bag... I went into South Bank, pulled it out, started singing a couple of songs, hymns, and you know, and then p- packed it up, went back in the middle of the city, and, and I just put it all out, and people were, you know, there were people there. So it can be done. I mean, because we are, we are in the end times, now is the time to start sharing the gospel. Like, you know, we are really in the end times. You see what's happening, the war and all that. And, um, you know, we... We need to um, be motivated and to go out. Even next door would be fine, you know. Fine or work friends. And even me, myself, I get, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I feel like I want to give the message, but it's just hard to, you know, because there's a big barrier there. And that's, that's Satan's trying to stop you. He's, he's forever trying to stop us from sharing the gospel. It's like... Um, it's like as if our bodies are not designed to go out and gospel to uh, share the gospel but we're going against the grain but that's what god wants us to do he wants us to go against the grain be strong and have a bit of courage and you know share the share the word preach the word be instant and in season out of season reprove exhort exhort with all suffering and doctrine Amen. Amen. Can we get an amen? I hope hope you guys are not going to sleep. I'll I'll try and keep you awake. 2 Timothy one seven, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner but Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. We must not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Amen. We have all been saved. Have we all been saved? Amen. Amen. And have have Jesus in our hearts. You have been equipped. He has given us power. And a sound mind. Yeah. Jesus says here He's given us power in a sound mind. When when you open your mouth, God is going to turn up. Amen. So when you speak, God is going to be right there listening to you, and He's going to be saying, "Go, mate, go! Don't 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 hang back. Get in there." And. Um, There is a heaven to gain. Now, can we all say that? One, two, three. There is a heaven to gain. Okay, there's only about one or two people said that. But hey, one, two, three. There is a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shunt. One, two, three. There is a hell to shunt. And the next one is, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a fairy tale. Amen. Amen. This is not a fairy tale. This is a true story, you know. We're, we're not um, preaching about Santa Claus or, or Superman or Spider-Man. We're, we're preaching the gospel here. This actually did happen. But people don't understand how true the gospel really is. It's true. It's really happening, you know. So we've got to get out there. We've got to try and make them understand that it's real. It's real. So the only way we can do it, make it real, we've got to actually like act like as if it's real, you know. Like like our testimonies, and um, I'll stop there. And I'll give. Might as well give my testimony since I brought it up. (coughs) Uh, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was um, twelve years old. Um, Yeah, I was actually very young. I'll I'll just grab a drink. Sorry, (coughs) my throat. Yeah. So. um, I was at a primary school then, and um, uh, what happened? Um, we used to have um, a Bible in school at primary school. I was in Standard 3. Um, Standard 3 was like 12 years old. and So uh, when we had the Bible in school, two men, uh, David and Arthur, used to come in and bring their guitars and, and share the gospel and we would be all sitting there, and they'll teach us the gospel, how how we have sinned, and um, we need to get get right with God. And um, so, as soon as I saw that, I actually, uh, I believed straight away. I had no doubt. And um, David said, uh, "You can give your, your heart to the Lord now if you want." So um, I said, "Oh, I'll see." But uh, I had to go home for lunch. Uh, You know, kids love their lunch. So it was only, wasn't too far away. So I walked home, and uh, as I'm walking home, I'm actually skipping home. You know how you skip when you're a kid. And there's little cracks in the concrete, and um, there's a saying, if you stand on a crack, you marry a rat. Yeah, well, I I was jumping every crack that I could see, and I was taking it serious. But if there was too many cracks... I would go on the grass past that and then jump back on the crunk. So it was taking a while before I could get home. But then I heard what um, David said and I just stopped and I just put my head down and I prayed. I said, Lord, come into my heart. <clears throat> and as soon as I opened my eyes, the whole the whole world was different. The, the day was different. The light was shining brighter. And the feeling of when we first get saved came deep within me and I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was, you know, smiling, laughing, I was jumping up and down. So I went home and told my mother, you know, I've been saved, I've been saved. And, you know, mothers being mothers, they think you're a bit crazy. Or, you know, she told me, are you crazy? Just hurry up and eat your food and go back to school. But yeah, now I went back to school, and ever since then, I knew I could pray for anything. I just knew it. I just knew that I, I was thinking, should I pray for a million dollars? You like, mm. and, uh, and, and I, money didn't worry me. What really worried me was my parents and my family. I wanted my family and my parents to be Christians. That was more important than money. That way, our family could be happy. Uh, so I deeply um, prayed to God that my family, my whole family, would become Christians. Not only my family, but my whole town. Uh, the whole town was all alcoholics. They're all drunk. They, there was no word of God in there. And when I got home, uh, got home. Yep. Uh, not long, probably two two weeks later, or might be even two months later. Uh, my 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 father had an accident, and from that accident, he gave his heart to the Lord, and my mother gave his heart to the Lord, and then my brother gave his heart to the Lord, and then my sister gave his heart to the Lord, and so forth and so forth. And then they started building a church, and then other people started coming in, and next minute we had a church full of people worshipping the Lord. You know? And, uh, today they're still at the Pitt Street Chapel. They're still there praising the Lord, you know. And that, that's my church when I go back to New Zealand. And um, yeah, so so, but but there is another story to that. Uh, when you're young, you're, you're not um, educated, and you you don't understand the devil side of things. He's very tricky. He's very cunning. He's like a snake. And he he stopped my um, Christianity when I was fourteen. Uh, something went wrong, and when when things go wrong, we tend to blame God. We look at God and say, "Why'd you do that for? You know, you're supposed to treat me nice." And then um, uh, what happened there? And then yeah, then I blamed God. I blamed God, and then I said, "I don't want to be a Christian now. I'm going to get into the drugs now. I'm going to get in," and. Uh, God, you know, just, God just stayed with me right up until I was 30, till I came back to the Lord at age 30. So in between 14 and 30, I, I backslid um, thinking that God did something to me that he shouldn't have done, but I blamed God. But when I first, when I did come back to the Lord, my eyes just, I, I've never cried like that in my life. I, I I don't cry. I'm actually quite tough, you know. <laughs> I don't I don't cry. I didn't even cry at my um, mother's funeral. That's how tough I was. But I still love her, and I haven't cried ever since. But um, you know, and um, so the, the the tears of joy just come. My whole face was wet. Just come straight down. So as soon as I got up from bed, and I I told my uh, mum that. Um, I have given my heart back to the Lord, and she believed me straight away. She didn't doubt me one bit. And then she, you know, what she said to me? She said, "Goody, we can start going to church." You know, and uh, that was a blessing. I said, "What? Well, we're going this Sunday?" So we went to church every Sundays until her last breath. You know, and that that was supposed to happen because she was uh, getting old and all the things were happening. Um, but uh, Cut, cut the story um, short. When she was on her bed in the hospital, the doctor came in and said, um, we can't do anything for her. Well, we can, but we don't really want to, but it's up to you. have got three choices. We can either operate on her, but she might not make it. We can operate on her. If she makes it, she would be in a lot of pain, or we can just give her morphine and just, you know, just that's it. So I looked at her and I said, and, I, and the doctor said, "Do you want to give a scripture first? So I had to look around for a Bible, and I couldn't think of any scripture. So I just opened it up, and the scripture said, "Not only do you, know, um, I'm trying to, not only do you know me when, in the in the good times, but you must know me in the bad times," and that that hit my heart and hit my. Um, mother's heart because um, it was time for her to go, basically. Even though we were grieving for the bad times, um, it's actually a good time because she's going to heaven. You know, she's already got that path and that's how I saw it for her because I didn't want her going through a lot of pain and even after the operation, I didn't want her to go for me looking after her and and going through all that. And then it's just, you know, I said, well, look, you can go and see Dad now, today, right now, you know, cut the story short. And I said, you got to trust in the Lord. I mean, you know, because she couldn't hear, she couldn't hear, um, she lost her hearing aids, uh, so she couldn't hear, so I had to go like that. And then she'll just cry and go. So she knows it's time for her to go. And um, yeah, so she, you know, she passed on. And um, and uh, and what we do in our tradition is we keep the uh, body the uh, for three days. That's our part of our custom. And I lied beside the coffin all night. And yeah. I think I was crying then, yeah. but uh, yeah, um, but I wasn't crying for her. This is the point. I was crying for Jesus. Jesus was the one who was healing me from the the hurt. It wasn't my mum, because I knew my mum would be alright if if Jesus is right. So I went straight to Jesus, saying, "Look, look after her. Make sure she's you know right. Then I'm, I'm relying on you to." Look after my mother, and uh, that's how much I'm relying on you. And he was comforting me all night, and I was crying all night. And uh, that that gave a lot, gives a lot of comfort, you know, when we um, share the Bible and share the gospel with people. It's just so comforting, especially at a funeral. We've been doing a couple of funerals now. Uh, some, a lot of my relations have been uh, dying. My nephew committed suicide. Uh, two years ago, so I had to go there and, and share the word and just to calm people down and uh, make them make them feel like there is hope, you know. It, it, just because someone's gone, it, it's not over. There is hope. There is life after death and um, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Uh, so we've been going to A couple of funerals, and uh, my brother, um, my brother's an atheist, or well, he was an atheist. Uh, I've I've been trying to share the gospel for this guy for basically years, and he's got a hard, hard heart. You know, he he just he just won't listen. He just says, "Nah, that's not true." Uh, Why doesn't God come here and just click his fingers and make everything right? To me, that's bad. You know. And I tried to explain to him, and he said, "No, no, I want God to come in and click, to click His hands and make everything right." And um, yeah, we had so many, so many debates that uh, Charlie's wife was, um, she was getting angry. Every time you come here, you're talking about God, and you're upsetting Charlie. Stop talking about God. I said, well, you know, Charlie wants to. He wants to know about God. He said, well, you're upsetting him, and you're upsetting me too. So don't don't bring up the gospel anymore. And then every time I go there, we'll be talking about the gospel, and he'll get upset, and then you know, and it'll be just so forth. Now one time, he looked at me and said, the only time I'll come to the Lord is when I'm on my deathbed, and. Two weeks later, he's on his deathbed. And I looked at him and said, Charlie, what are you going to do? He said, mate, I want to come to the Lord now. I said, come here then. So we had a prayer and I told him, you know, put Jesus in your heart and forgive all your sins and, you know, and um, he died the next day. It took a long time. I mean, that morphine doesn't work straight away. It, It takes overnight. So we're with him more. I'm I'm praying with him. I'm saying, Jesus, you know, comfort him. I pray for Charlie. And and it took all night. I stayed up till probably two o'clock in the morning and I fell asleep, but my sisters were there. Uh, They they prayed for him all night. And I I fell asleep and then I got back and then, yep, and then we all saw his last breath. and That's amazing, you know, when you see someone have their um, last breath. It's not very nice. Even the nurses say it's not nice watching someone die. It's, it's, you know, um, it's, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it, the nurses say that no one should look at anyone dying, having their last breath, because it's, yeah, it's, it's not not supposed to be like that. But we did anyway, and um, we all yelled out Jesus when he had his last breath. And um, yeah, well that that's my um, my uh, gospel for my brother Charlie. And um, uh, getting back to the word now, uh, God wants us all to repent. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Word not willing, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody needs to come to repentance. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has Raise him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, be ready to answer. We have to be ready for, um, to answer questions from the Bible. Uh, there are people out there that's going to want to know answers and you know, we, have, we need to be prepared to uh, give an answer. Now, at the same time, there's snakes out there. Some people do want to know answer, but they want something else too. They want to, you know, they just wanna, they want to borrow money or they want to do other things. So this is where wisdom comes in, and we need to, you know, say, well, you know, they really want to be saved or are they just, they just using us for other things. And uh, I've seen that myself. I've seen people do that, and I know that they are doing it just for other things, not so much. The, the gospel, but other things. So you know, just be a bit wary because there are snakes out there that that are like that, and we need wisdom. God gives us wisdom, and um, yeah, First uh, Peter three fifteen. But sanctify the God, the Lord God, in your heart, and be ready always to give answer to every man that taketh. You and reason of hope that in you with meekness and fear. Matthew nine thirty seven. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, plenteous, but the labourers are few. So this scripture is saying that there's plenty of work out there. There is there is a lot more work now because of the COVID. So everybody's saying, what's what's the answer? What's the answer? Where is the answer? But uh, apparently nobody's going out there to give them the answers. So there's plenty of work out there, but few labourers. That's few labourers. There's few people that's going out there. And uh, because we're in the end times, we need more people to go out there. And, um, you know, as I said, you can just go to your neighbour or your um, closest ice cream shop. Um, anyway, amen. Some will get offended by the gospel. Some might even say harsh words at you. But remember, Joshua nine be strong, encourage. don't be dismayed. You know, I get dismayed. We all get dismayed. But God is with us. When you open your mouth, God is there, right there next to you. It is our duty to share the gospel. Now, um, God is telling us, really, not only is it a commandment, but it's also a duty. A duty is like um, a doctor um, looking after a patient. That's that's their duty, you know. Our firemen putting out a fire. Our policemen arresting uh, criminals, you know. Christians, our duty is to share the gospel. Amen. Cheers. John four fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. God is saying, I am the only way the truth, and the life. Jesus saying, I am the only way. Sharing the gospel is more important than ever, especially now. We must not fall asleep. Amen. Matthew 26. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What Could ye not watch with me? One hour watch watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he left a second time to pray in isolation. He said to God, my father, if there is not a way that ye can deliver me, from the suffering, then your will will be done. Now, we know that Jesus didn't want to die on the cross. He went up to the mountain three times to try and ask God if, if there's another way. You know, I wouldn't blame him because he, he knew what was going to happen to him. His, his, um, his, he was tortured brutal, brutally. And um, he tried to tell God, come on, mate, is there a better way? As, um, You know, can... Can someone else do it or is uh you know? And then then God said, No, there's no other way. So Jesus went up there three times. And when he came back down, the disciples were still sleeping. Is that the same with us? Are we still sleeping? So if God comes back from the rapture, are we gonna be still asleep? And will he come back and say, Are you guys still sleeping? Is there nothing happening here? You know um, that that's. Um, I don't want to be caught sleeping, you know. Um, just because we, uh, you know, we want to retire and all that, we think, oh, yep, we've done it. What, what? That's it. We've got everything. We've got a boat. We've got a ship. We got, we got Lamborghinis. We got cars. We have got everything we want. We don't need to do anything now. We've we've done it. You know, we've we've, we've um, got everything we want, but no, God is telling us we need to go out there. We need to do our duty. Don't you know that in the hour it comes for the Son of Man to be handed over to the authorities of sinful men? <coughs> So the disciples were there and they didn't even know that Jesus was going to get um, uh, t- taken to the cross. So they were, basically they weren't even worried because they were just sleeping. They were just more worried about their, their sleep time. I mean, I like my sleep time. But in a situation like that where someone's going to die on a cross, you'd think you'd want to stay up for at least an hour. But, um, you know... Um, there's a time for sleep time, but you know not that kind of sleep time. So we need to wake up, church. Don't get caught sleeping. Don't get too comfortable with the world. Amen. So in this time, we're going to um, watch a quick video. this This lady we um, This lady we're going to watch. Uh, she's actually related to me. She's a great, great, great. I don't know how many greats, but a few greats. Uh, this is a true story. This happened in 1835. Back then there were no cars, no uh, scooters. There was no buses. It was just bare feet. And what happens in this story is um, the gospel was made in Sydney, the, the machines, and they sent it to New Zealand in here. And they made 500 Bibles. They were the first Bibles in New Zealand, and some of those Bibles went to Matamata, where I'm from, Waharoa, where I'm from. Uh, the, um, the town of Waharoa is uh, named after a chief. Uh, the chief's cousin, Nakuku, is Tarori's um, father and uh this story is about her
1: uh,
0: learning the gospel and um both languages at year at age twelve and um carrying her Bible around her neck with a kitty and she got she got murdered at age twelve, but the person that murdered her looked at the Bible and got saved and came back in repentance to uh, Ngā um, to Tā his uh, fa- uh, father to ask for repentance because of the Bible now when that connection happened that Bible went to Tamahiri Tamahiri and his other friend uh, I forgot what his name was they both went throughout the South Island sharing the gospel. So the gospel actually started from Tarore, where she she had the Bible and she, she preached to 200 to 300 people in the villages. She was like the first Māori evangelist that, and she was only 12, sharing the gospel. So she She kept her Bible with her at all times because that's how much she loved the gospel and um, she got murdered and uh, this story is going to give you more um reference on that uh, what happened
1: so if you could play that video. story of Torore and the Gospel of Luke it tells of the power of god's word to change people's lives in eighteen thirty six A young Maori girl called Torore lived with her family near Matamata in the Waikato area of the North Island of New Zealand. Her father's name was Ngakuku and he was a tribal chief at the Pa, which was close to where the village of Wahoroa is today. From the Pa site, Torore could look across to the distant mountains called the Kaimai Range. On the far side of this range lies Tauronga and the Bay of Plenty. One day, some European missionaries came to Matamata and visited the pa where Torore lived. They said they were Christians and wanted to start a school for the Māori people in the area. They said they would teach them about Jesus and how to read and write the Māori language. The missionaries were called Alfred and Charlotte Brown. They were pale-skinned And wore strange clothes. Torore and her people liked Mr. and Mrs. Brown, and Torore asked her father if she could go to their school. He said yes, and decided to go along himself. The Maori people helped Mr. and Mrs. Brown to build a house and a school. Soon the mission school was opened, and teaching began. Men and women, as well as boys and girls, came from around the area to learn from Mr. and Mrs. Brown, who were such nice, kind people. Everyone liked them. Charlotte Brown could read and write the Māori language and was able to teach the women and girls to do the same. She read to them from parts of the Bible which had just become available in Māori. Torore learned to read well and was one of the brightest of Mrs. Brown's students. She loved to hear the story of Jesus, the only son of God. She realized that he had come to save all who believe in him. Torore became a Christian too. So impressed were Alfred and Charlotte Brown with Ngakuku and his daughter Torore that they gave them a copy of Torongapaya Ruka, Luke's Gospel in the Māori Language. Ngakuku wrote his name in the front of the Gospel of Luke, but let Torore use it and read it as much as she wanted. Because Torore loved Jesus and his words which she could now read, she would sit and read the Gospel story for hours to whoever would sit and listen. Ngakuku knew that his people were in danger from other Maori tribes who were raiding and looting in the Waikato area. He decided to take Torore and her small brother, together with 18 others, over the Kaimai range to Tauronga. There was a Christian mission house there, and they would be safe. It would take two days to make the journey from the Pa at Wahoroa to the mission house at Tauronga, so they said goodbye to the Browns and all their friends at Wahoroa and started on their journey. Late in the afternoon of the 18th of October, 1836, the party of two adults and 19 children set up a camp for the night by the stream at the foot of the Wairiri Falls. Before they went to sleep that night, Torore read to everyone from Torongopai Aruka. Torore and the other campers were unaware that they were being followed by a group of warriors from the Ta'arawa tribe of Rotorua. These men watched from a distance and waited for nga'kuku and his people to go to sleep. Then, at about three o'clock in the morning, Uita and his four men crept into the camping area and began to steal things. One of them trod on a dry twig. A dog began to bark, and most of the campers woke up. Makuku shouted to all of them to run into the nearby bush for safety. They all escaped, except Torore. She struggled with the robber called Uita, who was trying to take her precious Luke's gospel from her. She fought for her life with Uita and determined that he should not steal God's word from her. She had to give in as Uita struck her and killed her. The robbers quickly ran off into the darkness with what they had managed to steal. When Ngakuku and the others returned to the campfire, they found Torore lying dead on the ground. They were very sad and decided to return to Wahoroa. Makuku's people wanted Utu revenge, but he said that was not God's way. Makuku wanted to give his daughter a Christian burial at the pa, so he carried her all the way back to where they had started from the day before. Meanwhile, Uita and his warriors returned to Rotorua. When they examined the things which they had stolen they found Torongapaya Ruka, the little book which had Ngakuku's name in the front. They were unable to read, but there was a visitor at their village in Rotorua who was able to read the Maori language. His name was Ripaho, and he was from Otaki in the south. He had learned to read during his visit to the Bay of Islands, and just happened to be staying in Rotorua as he journeyed home. Uita asked him to read, and as Ripaho did so, the robbers became very sad. The word of God was having an effect on their lives too. As they listened to God's word, they understood that they had sinned. When Ripaho returned to Otaki, He was a changed man. As he had read and re-read the Gospel of Luke in his own language, he was affected and gave his life to Jesus Christ. When he arrived at Kapiti Island, he told Tamehana and his cousin Tefifi about the Gospel of Luke, which had changed his life. Tamehana was the son of the great chief Teruparaha, who had warred against the South Island Maori people for so long. Tamahana and Tefifi obtained a copy of this life-changing message of God and set out in a canoe to the South Island. Starting in the Marlborough Sounds they began a journey which was to last for almost a year and a half reading and teaching Tarongapaya Ruka the good news of Luke to as many of the Maori people as they could. They travelled as far south as Stuart Island and the word of God which they preached had a dramatic effect on all the people. Many, many Māori people confessed their sins and prayed that Jesus Christ would be their saviour too. In 1842, Bishop Selwyn visited the South Island of New Zealand and wrote in his journal that he found many Christians there, all because of God's word being read to them. Just like Torore, they had read and understood the truth of Christ's life, death and resurrection, and the message of the cross. Today, more than 160 years after Torore's death, a painted monument at the former Par site at Waharoa remains and reminds us of a 12-year-old girl who learned to love the Lord through the reading of his holy word. Would you read and understand these life-changing words with their unchanging, life-saving message of salvation through the cross of Jesus? The cross on Torore's grave reminds us that Christ died for the sins of the whole world so that everyone who truly believes in him might have eternal life. The cross is empty because Christ rose from the dead and lives forevermore. His resurrection power is available to us, to change us and raise us to everlasting life. The Bible is God's word for us today. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And live it to be holy.
0: Wasn't that a good uh, video? Amen. Tarori. Yep. So we're going to sing a song. Um, the next one, Chris. Because he believes we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all oh, fear has gone. Because I know he holds the future. Because life is worth the living just because he lives. Can everyone stand up, please? Because he lives. Come on, let's sing. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear has gone, because I know he holds my future. Because life is worth the living just because he lives. The next one, Chris, he is Lord. For He is Lord, He is Lord, He has risen from the dead and He is Lord, every need shall Time confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. For He is Lord. For He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Thank you, Jesus Christ, for you who died on the cross for our sinful ways. We pray for each and one of us here that we can go out and share the gospel. Give us the strength and the courage. In your name we pray. Amen. I'll hand it over to...